0: Hello, everybody. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. You guys ready for Easter? All right. Well, uh, remember, no Saturday night service like Brandon said. We got Be My Guest cards. Uh, Those are just an easy way for you to invite. They're about the size of a business card. And uh, we'll have those out on some tables as you leave. And so if you would, grab as many as you can and invite your friends and family. And uh, this will be the easiest weekend you'll have to invite people. Um, to church for Easter Sunday 11 uh, o'clock event center so that would mean um, we don't as far as Fellowship of the Rockies people we try to stay away from Prairie Avenue so don't come in on Prairie Uh, all the other gates will be open we'll leave Prairie open for our our guest Uh, we've backed up Prairie all the way through northern before and that was like a really bad deal And so if you would, save that for our guests, and then all the gates will be open. to get you in quicker, and it'll get you out quicker as well. Also, I want to bring you up-to-date on Pastor Justin. Those of you that have have been with us, you know that Pastor Justin and Heather uh, served here. Then months back, Justin felt led uh, to start a new transition in in ministry. And uh, so it's been my honor to work with him and talk with him and the churches that he's looked at. And so it's time now to announce to you uh... that god's confirmed to justin and heather uh... their next place and so they they found a church and listen when i when i heard the name of this church i knew god was in it just because of the name i mean i think it's hilarious and if you know justin you'll think it's hilarious as well the name of the church is sandals Yeah. So if, you, if you're not laughing, then that's probably because you don't know Justin. And so Justin, like wore flip-flops, he wears flip-flops almost, well, he wears flip-flops everywhere that he's allowed. Uh, and, so, uh, and, so, uh, he wears, and so now God has taken him to the place where he can wear flip-flops everywhere. So the fact is, when I talked to Jeff, who was talking to Justin, and I was one of Justin's references, when Jeff called me, I just, he says, "You know, I'm calling a reference," and I says, "Well, I can tell you this: I know it's of God." And he was kind of shocked. God already confirmed it to you. I said, "Yeah," because the name of your church sandals, and so explained the whole deal to him. And so Justin, and Heather, start uh, May the first, uh, and so Justin is right over there. Justin, why don't you? For those of you, there's Justin over there. So uh, we're so proud of you guys. We're praying for you. Uh, this rarely happens in churches just so you know there is a difference between being sent and leaving usually when someone leaves they leave and there's kind of a wonder what's going on and what's really happened being sent uh, is totally different and that's what justin did and we did it with transparency and honesty our, our staff surrounded him our uh... we loved them and god has blessed them unbelievably fact is just this morning i think they found a place to live and so, which is a no, whole nother story. But anyway, you guys pray for them. They'll be out in the foyer uh, after this service to greet you. Okay, so uh, we're in this series called Locally and All Owned and Operated. And so we've been looking at the local church. And so this weekend is, 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 is Palm Sunday, and it, it's a time when churches begin focusing on, on the cross and then on Easter, we'll focus on the, uh, on the resurrection. And so this Easter, we're going to look at the res- resurrection through the lies of a doubter, doubting Thomas, and how he came to the place to where he accepted Christ and understood the, the resurrection and what took place with that. But today, we're going to look at the cross. More specifically, we're going to look at the church at the cross, because really and truly it was a church service because for some it was the first encounter with Jesus they ever had for some it was the first time that they ever witnessed him and so people traveled from all over to this event historians tell us that there were over a million people that witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus Christ it was in the time of Passover where people came from all over uh... as and as a result of that uh, the Romans were, were, were performing a crucifixion a crucifixion of of three men uh, Two robbers that deserved death, and Jesus Christ who didn't deserve death. And so, when you look at these, you look at this in this public execution. It was a torturous, traumatic event, but it was like a church service where people came and witnessed Christ and His love for the very first time. And when you look at the Church of the Christ Cross, you realize that the people came from all different perspectives, all different backgrounds, all different religions, all different occupations. All different life perspectives and life experiences, and they all gathered around the cross. You see, it was a it was it was ordained by God. It was a, it was gathered by God, just like a church service, that this church service is, is gathered by God and ordained by God. So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 27. So you can, I don't care if you click there, turn there. Uh, You can also go to YouVersion and search for Fellowship of the Rockies on the live deal. And then you can pull up our notes and life group and all that other stuff. And you can use that as well. But as you turn to Matthew chapter 27, I'm going to ask you to do a favor for me. It's really something that you should do on your own whenever you read scripture, whenever you come into a church service. And that is this. As you turn to Matthew 27, would would you just breathe a silent prayer and say, God, speak to me. Just reveal yourself to me in a deeper way. That's what scripture is. It's, it's God revealing himself to men and women. So I know this sermon, in, in just its, the way I've, 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 I've written it, is very technical in some aspects. And so we're going to look at three things at the church at the cross. We're going to look at who was there, why they were there, and then what did they receive. And so for the first, we're going to look at Who was there? I mean, what groups of people were there? People came from different backgrounds, different occupations, different perspectives. And there were seven different groups that kind of gathered around the cross, much like in the modern church today, much like in the contemporary church today. The first group that we identify in Matthew chapter 27 is in verse 32. And there were some that came by force. Watch this. The Scripture says, as they went out, They found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled... Now listen, stop right there. That word compelled in the Greek is to mean to force violently, force with action. And so it says, they compelled this man to carry the cross. So who is Simon? Who is this guy, Simon? And so, Simon, because of his geographical location, was a black man, and he was on the side of the road as as Jesus was carrying the cross on the way to the crucifixion. Jesus got to the point, because of the beatings, that he could no longer uh, carry the cross, and as a result of that, one of the guards took Simon out of the crowd and forced him to the church of the cross, and they forced him to carry Christ's cross. And you know what, even in, the, even in the modern church, just like at the church at the cross, there were people that were there and they were, they were forced to be there. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I'm being forced to be here. Whether it's my mom and dad are making me come. Whether it's a spouse, whether it's a husband or wife. Whether it's a friend. Whether it's, a, whether it's this, this guy I work with. And this guy's like relentless, begging me to come to Fellowship the Rockies. And now they're like giving him Be My Guest cards, (laughs) It's making it even worse. And so you know what? I feel like I'm being forced to come because I'm going to come so that I can say that I went to church so this guy will get off my back. Let me tell you something this morning. If you came by force, God cares deeply about you. And so do we. Here's the interesting thing. Simon came by force and scripture says his life was changed. We live in a world, we live in a time where parents keep saying that I'm not going to force my kids to follow any spiritual doctrines or any spiritual practices. Now I'm going to force them to get an education. I'm going to force them to learn some work habits. I'm going to force them in some other areas because I really value that. But this other side, not going to force them. Let me tell you something. There were people at the cross who were forced, and their life was changed. See, listen, let me tell you something. The church has no power to change your life. Only Jesus Christ, only the cross can change your life. I go to the same place, up, you know, for breakfast. Just to, it's not a healthy breakfast, but I go there on Sunday mornings to get through four, three services. That's how I justify it. There's a guy that I'm trying to build a relationship with that always serves me. And so he looked at me today and he says, well, pastor, I, I go out there and, serve, uh, and save a lot today. Save a lot of souls. And I, I just turned to him and says, you know what, I don't save anyone. And the church doesn't save anyone. Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ on the cross is what saves. So you may be here today and you may say, I was forced well, your life matters deeply to God just like Simon's life mattered to God. There's another group of people, and you know what? Unfortunately, they just came to sit and watch. They just came to sit and watch the show. Uh, verse 36, then they sat down. Now, listen, I know I have a weird sense of humor, and a lot of times I tell you humor, and you guys, you guys don't think it's funny. That's your problem, not mine. Uh, <laughs> But I think this verse is stinking funny. Then they sat down and kept watch over him. That would be Jesus. Kept watch over him there. Okay, let me ask you this. Where's Jesus going to (laughs) go? He's nailed to a cross. It doesn't say they're coming to watch the the guards. It doesn't say they're coming to watch. It says they're coming to watch Christ. I mean, What are they expecting Jesus to do? You know what they're expecting him to do? Wow me. Hit me with your best shot. Move me there are people today that come to the modern church and you know what they're just there to sit and watch not to participate not to come into community they are there just to sit and watch whether it's because of the they like the music they like the sermon they like the location it makes them feel better it gives them some warm fuzzies, so they feel a little bit better about themselves to get through the week they may like some people that attend there but they come in, they sit and watch, and they walk out the same way they came in. And you know what I think? I think, what a waste. What a waste. We all need to be participants. And listen, let me tell you something. If you're here this morning and you'd say, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, I'm one of those sit and watch people. i me tell you, just like those that come by force, your life matters deeply to God. Your life matters another group of people and that were there and they were they were convicted sinners verse verse 38 then two robbers were crucified with him one on the right one on the left and so the these these two robbers they they were publicly convicted see in their time one of the reasons that crucifixions were so public and was a big deal is because they use it as a reminder to the community why you shouldn't commit those crimes And so they 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 uh, they listed out exactly what those crimes were. In other words, their crimes, their sins, they were convicted sinners. Their sins were very public, and they understood they needed to release from their sin. And and they were and there was some embarrassment there, because it it was public. And let let me just stop right there and just tell you that maybe your sin was very public in this community. It made the news, it made the papers. Maybe you've carried a reputation for a long time, and it didn't make the papers, it didn't make the news, but people knew who you were, and people knew what you did. And for you, it was one of the most difficult things walking into a church for the very first time because your sin was public. But let me stop right there and tell you. Your sin, your public sin, is no different than my sin and our sin. And even though your sin may have been public, and even though community may have known about it, family and friends may have known about it, I'm telling you this. Your life matters deeply to God. Even though you've blown it big time, even though you've blown it publicly, your life matters to God. See, Jesus was dying on the cross not only for us, but for those who were crucifying him. That's something I'll never get over. That's something I will not understand. That he was not only dying for us, but he was dying for those that were actually crucifying him. There was there's another group of people that were at the church of the cross that day that exist in the modern church today, and they came to insult. Look at this, verse thirty nine. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads. In other words, they didn't didn't come to witness anything. They didn't come to sit and watch. They didn't come to see what was going on. You know why they came? They came to insult. They came to make fun of. They came. They walked past Jesus to let him know what they thought about him, to insult him. See, the problem is with life. Life can be filled with so much pain and so much junk that it just can't help but spill out on other people. That's why they tell you that, you know what, hurting people will always hurt others. There are always going to be people who come to insult, who come to find something wrong with everything, whether it's a sermon, whether it's a message, whether it's music, whether it's greeters, whether it's people, whatever. There's always that element that exists that do not come to worship, but just find something wrong. And see, the real issue is this. The real issue is what God thinks of them and not what they think about God and God's representatives. But if you're like thief on the cross, your life still matters to God. Another group of people, maybe the most difficult group in life, religious fakes. They were there at the church of the cross. Verse 41, so also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders, can you believe that, mocked him. The largest number of words when you go through this account were given to mock, that were given to mock Jesus came from a religious spirit, a religious person. Religious people are difficult to deal with because religious people will always make you feel judged, right? Religious people will always make you feel like you're not as good as them, that your sins are here. Their sins are like minuscule if they even exist. See, so many times religious people are just full of condemnation. Here's another group that was there. There was a group that watched from a, a distance. Verse 55, there were also many women there looking on from a distance who... God, so just breaks my, ...who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Here's a here, It's about their life. They once had followed Jesus closely. They once had served him. They once had served in the church... They once had had life journaled or spent time in the scriptures. They once had followed him closely. And because of a rough season in their life and because of a difficult season in their life, all of a sudden it says that, you know what, they once followed him closely. Now they follow him at a distance. And though you stand at a distance and you can remember a time when you followed him closely, your life matters deeply to God. And your life matters deeply to this ministry and to this church. Last group of people that were there was a group of people, you know what, you know where they were? There at the foot of the cross. Fact is, that group of people, they couldn't get close enough. Verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his, to his, to his own home. John was the only disciple that, na- that died of a natural death. And you look at John and you look at, at, at Mary, his, mo- at his mother, and they were there at the foot of the cross. See, I'm so happy about Fellowship of the Rockies because the, the largest majority of our church, the largest, largest participants of our church are people who are here because they love Jesus. They're not here to hurl insults. They're not here to find out what is wrong. They're not religious fakes. I mean, they're transparent. They're real. They're honest. They, they, they don't watch from a distance, they don't sit and watch, and they have come to worship out of love. And they understand that worship dynamic in their life. But whatever category you're in this morning, God wants you to know your life matters deeply to Him. And it matters deeply to this ministry, it matters deeply to this church. Well, that was who was there, and now we need to look at why were they there. I mean, why were they really? Why were they at the Church of the Cross? You know, just, just a few things. and Some came out of curiosity. I mean, here's an interesting thing. Historians will tell us that it was Passover, so that means over a million people were in Jerusalem at the time. And so this was a public event, and so this was an event for people. And some came out of curiosity, uh, the death, the crucifixion. Uh, curiosity of the person named Jesus, and so there was a group of people trying to get some inside information. There are a group of people trying to understand some things spiritually. Listen, in our time, in the modern church, we have people all the time trying to get some inside information. We, we have some people that are investigating whether it's whether it's tarot cards or psychic hotlines or or Ouija boards or fortune tellers or or new age movements or anything like that, and they come into this place out of. Out of curiosity, a lot of times curiosity brings people into this place. Whether people passing by and they cannot believe this many cars are here at Fellowship of the Rockies, or maybe it's the marquee, or maybe it's some of our our community ministries that we do that they're just curious about what is goes on here and what is what is different about this body than some other bodies. And if you're investigating the spiritual claims of Christ out of curiosity, then then we welcome you. But see, there was another group that was, that was, they were there because, well, it was a sense of obligation. See, there are some people there at the Church of the Cross, and the same as in the modern church, there was a group of people that felt it's an obligation. The Roman soldiers, they didn't have a choice. It was their job. The most dangerous thing in ministry is to where pastors begin to look at this as a job or a profession. This is not a job to me. This is not a profession. There is a world, there is a community desperate to know Christ. Desperate to have a relationship with Him. And whenever we make it an obligation that i got to show up because I have to. Whether we're a pastor, an elder, a ministry leader, a ministry partner. We're going to miss what God has for us. Some have an obligation; is not because of what they do, but they feel like they're it's an obligation to their family. They need to be able to tell mom we went to church. Or, I just feel like I'm obligated to. Or, you know, there's some even at the Church of the Cross that went to church because it was a habit. It's what they did every every year. They went to Jerusalem. They we went to Passover. And there are people that have been going to church so long; it's no longer about a relationship. it's, it's just a habit. And maybe you've been coming to church since a child out of habit. There were some there at the, at the Church of the Cross that, that they, came out of, they came out of guilt. You know, it's interesting to me. There are some people that are, that are drawn to church out of, out of guilt. And, and just so we understand, what is guilt? Guilt is, is usually a result of sin. Uh, guilt is I have done something bad. Guilt is different than shame. Shame is, because of what I've done, I am bad. In other words, I am worthless. I I am damaged goods and all. And so that's the difference between shame and guilt. Unfortunately, there are some denominations, there's some churches, some people have some spiritual backgrounds, that they come out of churches that gave them guilt to control you. But we all know this. After a while, it just doesn't work any longer, right? When you talk to psychologists and you talk to counselors, you find that guilt is the number one source of destroyer of happiness. It's the number one source of, of stress. Guilt is the number one source of depression. Guilt unchecked in your life can cause physical illness. See what happens when people and it's so sad when people are believers and they carry guilt because all of those sins have been paid for. Sometimes it's easier to sing those songs than it's to internalize them. It's easier to say God loves you Instead of God loves me. See, there was a time in my life when I was so wrapped up in bondage. Someone looked at me and said, Charlie, when God looks at you, what brings him joy in your life? And I couldn't answer. I, I, didn't, think absol- I didn't think anything. See, guilt will do that to you guilt is when you rehearse the past over and over and over even though the blood of Christ covers that if you're a believer and there's forgiveness I mean the scripture says in Colossians that Christ bought our freedom with his blood the scripture says that our, our sins have, been, have been, been canceled out. And that word in the Greek is a financial term. That word in the Greek, is, it, it comes from a banking term. So let me ask you this. Do you, do you take last year's canceled checks and get them out of your bank statement and go over them and rehearse them and worry about them? No, why? Because last year's income covered those canceled checks, right? The same reason our sins have been canceled, they have been paid for by the blood of Christ. They're gone, they're done, and we don't need to worry about them any longer. We have been, listen, we have been set free. Here's here's a lie Christians have come to believe, and it's a lie from the enemy. But here is a lie that Christians have come to believe. Christians have come to believe that the story of their life is this. They were physically born. They came to the place in the life where they were born again, where they accepted Christ. And then once they became a Christian, the Christian life is a struggle. And so they, they, they live better, then they live worse, they live better, they live worse, they live better, they live worse, they live better, and they just kind of struggle through life with guilt and all this other stuff, not understanding freedom, living better, living worse. all. Of it. And then they come to the place where they die, and they believe then I am set free and I go to heaven if you believe that then you believe that your death is more important and more powerful than the death of Jesus Christ because only your death sets you free telling you someone should get excited about that telling you there's some of you that believe that the Christian life is a struggle And one day I'm going to die and I'm going to be set free and I'm going to go to heaven. Listen, let me tell you something. He has already set you free. And you were set free, what Colossians says, not by your death, but the death of Christ on the cross by his blood. And listen, let me tell you something. When you believe that lie... You will struggle in the Christian life you see romans eight one says this says therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, so we get that, we understand that right? We understand that god doesn 't condemn us, and, and we, may, we may try to work through that. We also understand that guess what that also means in some of the teachings of Jesus that, that we don 't condemn others uh, we don 't judge others and all that other stuff. we get that, we understand that, but we don 't understand self condemn but we don 't understand condemnation to the deepest level how about self-condemnation how about self-criticism I am worthless I am unloved I am unforgiven I'll never measure up I'm damaged goods I'll never be good enough. As clearly and as directly as I can say to you, can I just tell you that's a sin? Nowhere in Scripture does God say that about you. And I'm telling you, when your thoughts line up more with the enemy than God's Word, you're in trouble. And I'm in trouble. There's a lot of Christians that live defeated lives and lives in bondage because you do not understand that that you have been set free. There's another group of people that came and they were there at the Church of the Cross and they didn't even know why they were there. The Spirit of God just drew the, drew, drew them there and. You know, we, we have a history here of, of tracking why people come to Fellowship of the Rockies. And, and we have people all the time that give us testimony and say, we came and, and we didn't even know why. We were driving by. We saw a sign. We saw the cars. We were driving by. Uh, we weren't even thinking we were going to church. fact is, many years back, we had a, a man that brought his family, and they came, and they thought they were coming to the movies. It's a true story. And uh, they ended up meeting Christ. And they says, well, while we're here, we might as well stay. So they stayed because they, they, they just felt guilty leaving once they realized it's a church and not a movie. And so they ended up praying to receive Christ, and, w- and we baptized them. And so there's some people that just, they come, and they don't know why. Because, see, God has put a God-shaped vacuum in every one of us. There's a desire in every one of us to know him. And so you learn sooner or later in life that all the success in the world won't fulfill you. All the materialism in the world will not fulfill you. And people begin looking for that. I mean, years ago they had a t-shirt. I think it's still around. The t-shirt says this, the one with the most toys uh, when they die wins, right? We've all seen that. We see bumper stickers and everything else. I just recently uh, saw a t-shirt in an answer to that t-shirt. This t-shirt says this, the one with the most toys when they die still dies, you still need God. Materialism, your toys, it all lasts for so long. And you know what? If you don't know why you're here and the Spirit of God drew you, let me tell you something. God cares deeply about your life and we care about your life. There's another group of people that were there and the reason they were there, they came out of love. I mean, in the majority of our church, that's why we come. Come out of love. And John and Mary, they were there and they came out of love for Jesus and To worship him and to minister to him, the last thing is this: is well, what did they receive? Why were they there, or who was there? Why were they there, and then what did they receive? Watch this: some received fear, some received healthy fear, a sobering reality. In other words, verse fifty-four: when the centurion, remember the centurion guy. That was the guy that was really obligated to come. That was the guy that was really forced to come. It was his job. He was paid to be there. He had some responsibilities to do. And so when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the, the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly this was the Son of God. So the centurion meets God. First thing he does is worship him. Nobody had to teach him how to worship him. I'm telling you, that's why Scripture says this. Scripture says that God seeks worshipers. God seeks worshipers that are willing to worship him in spirit and in truth. And see, the centurion received some fear to where he understood it was healthy fear, to where he understood his sins had separated him from God, and that God was real and could be trusted. Some were there that day and received a, a sobering reality. Some that day realized that, you know what, God's sovereign. They realize that God is in control. When the earthquake happened, when the splitting of the curtain happened in the temple, all of a sudden they realize that God is sovereign, God is in control, God can be trusted. See, in our world, we worry about so much, right? There's a lot of stuff we worry about. Fact is, they say, now they've done some statistics. I don't know who comes up with these statistics, but they come up with them all the time. says that if you surf the internet, it will create anxiety and worry in your life. Because it seems like when you surf the Internet, there's always something to worry about, right? I mean, we, worry about, uh, we may worry about bills. We may worry about our health. We may worry about career. We may worry if the water's bad, if the water's good, if we're going to be attacked, if we're not going to be attacked. We're worried about terrorism, not ter- all this other stuff. And then to make matters worse, every week there's a new food that comes out that's going to kill you, <laughs> right? A few years ago, my wife told me, she says, you know what? That red meat's going to kill you. That's what she said. And you know, I looked at her and I said, you know what? Fine. I'll quit putting ketchup on my hamburgers and we'll call it good. <laughs> worry means this. Worry means a divided line. Worry means a divided heart. Worry means living in a life of what if. And a lot of those what ifs never happen. That's why Simon Peter and 1 Peter says, you know what? Don't worry, pray. In other words, if something is worth worrying about, Something is worth praying about. But here's what happens in life. Because we don't understand guilt, we don't understand that our sins have been uh, canceled out, that our past has been taken care of. So here's what we do. We live a life regretting the past, worried about the future, and we mess up today. Listen, when you live a life to where you're regretting all of those mistakes and that sin and stuff that you can't change anyway, when you live a life and you're regretting the past and you're worried about the future... All you're going to do is mess up today. And all you're going to do is going to build walls around you to try to protect yourself because this is your worry and this is your regret. So I'm going to build walls around me. You can build walls around you if you'd like. And it may keep some of the bad stuff coming in, but can I tell you this? It's going to keep some of the good stuff from coming in in your life too. And you're going to miss some of the blessings. You're going to miss some of the blessings of that day. There were some that day that received a witness of love. In other words, Jesus Christ revealed his love to them. We've looked at before in this church the seven statements on the cross that Jesus made on the cross. One of the ones that moves me the most is when he's on the cross and they're crucifying him. And he prays a prayer. And he prays this prayer, maybe not like we would pray, maybe not the words we would pray, but this is what Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they're doing. Man, it's a church of the cross. They understood the love of God. How about the thief that was on his right? See, this thief, his sin was public. His whole life, he'd lived the life of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And for the very first time in his life, he's in the right place at the, at the right time and he realized it and he got it. And he looks over at Jesus and he and he didn't even think he could earn salvation. He didn't even think he could be in heaven. He wouldn't even ask for that. He didn't even pray for that. And he looks over at Jesus and he simply says, "Just remember me in paradise." In other words, I know who you are. I know you're God. So would you just remember me when you're in paradise? And you talk about the love of God. He looked at the thief on the cross. Sin was public. The thief is nailed to the cross. He cannot earn his salvation. Hello. He cannot work for his salvation. He cannot right any of the wrongs of the past. And Jesus looked over at him and said, I won't just remember you. You'll be with me. You'll be with me. When a church understands the love of God and understands you have been set free by the blood of Christ see some there that day they received a responsibility and they understood the church is not to sit and watch and the church is not to be spectators but they received a, a responsibility and changed the disciples forever changed all of them forever but the deepest thing was some that day received eternal life the religious fakes those that came to sit and watch those that came out of obligation Those that came to hurl insults? Because remember the thief before he said, remember me when you're in paradise? Was insulting Christ. And there were some that received eternal life. What do you need to, re- what do you need to receive?